Virtually every manager recognizes the importance of regular one-on-ones with their staff. But I'm guessing that you, like me, never received much training or direction on how to actually conduct them. In this episode, Jonathan Raymond returns to show us how to make one-on-ones valuable. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 536. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. One of the practices that many leaders participate in regularly is conducting one-on-ones. And yet it is a practice that many of us have struggled a bit with over the years because we don't necessarily know the best practice for how to conduct a one-on-one, what's the purpose behind it, how much do we drive it, how much do we let our employees drive it. Today, we're going to really look at how we can approach one-on-ones in a way that's useful and also helps us to get good alignment. I'm so glad to welcome back to the show today, Jonathan Raymond. He is the founder of ReFound, where he and his team work with organizations to create a company culture based in personal growth. He's the author of the book, Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting For, and he's the creator of the Accountability Dial and the courses, Good Accountability and good alignment. So many of you use the accountability dial regularly. And Jonathan, if I had a dollar for every time I hear your name every week in our community, (laughs) I would be rich. (laughs) Welcome back. Thanks so much for having me back, Dave. Always good to be with you. And uh, hello out there to all the Coaching for Leaders uh, folks. It's been a pleasure to be uh, on the uh, medium circle of this community. Yeah, indeed. And we've I've lost track how many conversations we've had now on the show over the years, Jonathan. And and one of the reasons I'm so glad that you continue to keep returning is whenever we have you on, so many folks do tell me how useful the models and the tools that you bring to us are, and sp- specifically around count- accountability and alignment. Mm-hmm. And this is a question that has come up recently inside our community is, how do we conduct one-on-ones well? And we're going to get into the details of this here in a moment, but on a big picture level, it seems to me that whenever I hear about one-on-ones, and if I think back to the when I was doing one-on-ones, it seems that people tend to go to either one extreme. On, on one hand, they conduct a one-on-one and the manager comes with a really specific agenda on all the things they need to check in with, with that person and kind of walk in through all the tasks, the things they're doing, checking in on that in detail. Or the manager swings to the other side and says, hey, the one-on-one is time for my employee, my direct report, and they don't show up with any agenda at all. And they say, you bring me the agenda and you frame the conversation. And my sense in reviewing your work and, and your thinking on this is that maybe there's a little bit of a bigger elevation that we should go to with this and thinking about there's some in between here, but also maybe there's a bigger picture. Yeah. It's I uh, think well, we can talk about the dark art of one-on-ones. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a weird subject to be passionate about, but it's a passion that surfaced for me many years ago where I was running a, a team. I, had, I was managing a bunch of managers 
And something happened, which I didn't, I didn't notice was happening during the time, which I would say, I was asking about their one-on-ones. We were, we had a culture where everybody was supposed to be having one-on-ones and everyone was telling me, yes, I'm having my one-on-ones. And what was happening was a whole variety of things that were mostly not uh, what I wanted to have happen in those one-on-ones, but they were sort of like these dark corners of the culture where something was happening but I didn't really know what was happening in those meetings and those conversations. And it, was a, and it was a space where people feel a lot of discomfort because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They don't know how to have those conversations well. So they're not likely to talk about that because it's not really a subject people like to bring up voluntarily as things that they're not good at or things where they feel insecure. And so there, it's this crazy thing in the modern business where everybody... Everyone is, so it's sort of like standard practice now, right? You're supposed to be have one-on-one. Where do we get that from? I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I think it's a really good idea, but we sort of put this as part of the way we conduct our teams and conduct our business with, with very little guidance on well, why do we think that that's so important beyond some, some high-level statements. And what I would add to your observation, I think it's accurate with one caveat. And I think that the, the caveat is where is the doorway in. So Managers do tend to toggle between those sort of very task-oriented, you know, box checking, important, right? Like important stuff that they're trying to get answers on, but things that largely should be handled through other ways, if you think about sort of the highest ROI of that time. And then the other thing you described, which is like, a, you know, coming with no agenda. And then I would call there's the, there's the Hail Mary personal one-on-one, which is every once in a while, most managers will actually try to get to know the person. And they'll have an actual human conversation with that person and asking them what's happening on outside of work and how are they feeling about things? And they'll talk about life, right? They'll have sort of a broader conversation and they'll like, they'll resuscitate the relationship periodically. And so I think there's, there are a lot of different things happening, but that last one is so important because if you have to do that, if you have to resuscitate the relationship every once in a while, it means the relationship is dead the rest of the time. And so what I want to help people do, and, and I hope people will get from this conversation is, what if that one-on-one was alive all the time? What if it was an actual meaningful relationship, not just for your direct report, but also for you, that it wasn't a stale, you know, sort of very tactical session only. It wasn't a no agenda, you know, sort of waiting for it's sort of miracle of miracles that your direct reports are going to drive everything does happen, but not real. And it wasn't a Hail Mary resuscitate. What if it was one conversation that contained all of those things, that it was a human conversation, that it was driven by your direct report, and you got visibility on the important things that you needed, but but only that. What does that world look like? Because to me, that's what a meaningful and effective one-on-one conversation should feel like. Cool. How do we do that? Because that's, I think, <laughs> the thing that like, I, when you yeah. say that, I'm like, wow, that's great. But I, yes. it, logistically, it's the thing we're aiming for, and yet we struggle with it. And one of the things I really have always loved about your work is that you have paired the professional framework of how do we move forward on the things that are important to the organization, but also really equally important is personal growth. And when you start thinking about like working with someone who's a new manager and starting to think about how to how to frame that, where do you start? So the tool that we introduced, which is called Good Alignment, matches with good accountability, obviously enough. The first thing that you don't realize you haven't done, uh, and this is all of us, myself included, it's, it's the most difficult thing to do, 
is you don't take the time to think about the purpose of a role and why does that role exist? Not the person in the role, not necessarily your objectives or you know, OKRs or, or, or even a team objective, but why does that role exist? If you are the CEO of your area and you have a manager of whatever, or a director of whatever, or a chief whatever, or a junior whatever, why does that role exist on your team? What is the contribution that that role can uniquely add to the health and success and reaching objectives of that team? And that's often a difficult question to answer because we often are, we, we find ourselves in situations where there's a bunch of roles and there's people who've been in those roles and we're hiring and we're firing and we're, people are leaving and people are, we don't pause and say, wait a second, why do we have that role? Why does that role matter? What can that role do? What should that role do? that is the priority for that role and not this other role over here. And so we've asked a series of questions for people to step through an inquiry for themselves. So whether you're a, whether you're a CEO and you want to do this with your direct reports or you're a first-time manager and you want to do this the, the the work is the same. What are the roles that I'm surrounded by? Why do they matter? What is their purpose? What question should this person be asking day to day that will connect them to our goals. Because in the absence of doing that why level work, like that getting to that, that purpose, we end up very tactical, right? We give them, hey, here's the job description. Here are the things in your inbox. We set them to task and they go, 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 go. And then they come back to us and they say, well, I don't really understand what my job is about. And we're pulling our hair out because we're, how can that possibly be? This is why. So the first step is you have to extract out the essence or the purpose and the tools designed to do that and not by you making it up out of thin air, but by having a conversation. Hey, Stephanie, let's say Stephanie's my direct report. I've been asking myself, why does this role exist? Here's what I, here's what I think it is, but I want you to come up. Why do you think this role exists? Not in a punitive, like, so I'm not putting her on the spot, but like, what's most important about this role from your perspective? Cause you have data and insight that I don't, cause you interact with, you're, you're in this role all the time. And so it's that level of meta-analysis and critical thinking that you got to do first. And as I, you know, I've, I've used this tool for, for five years with coaches, you know, CEOs, junior managers, and the same thing happens every time, both for the manager and for the direct report, is the manager goes, oh my God, my job could be so much easier than it is if everybody on my team had this level of awareness of why that role exists. Huh. And then the other thing that happens is the direct report says, holy cow, for the first time ever, like, I feel like I have a mission for my job. And I know I have always known what the tasks are, but I've never known why this job exists. And now I do. And so that context change shifts the dynamic entirely. One of the questions that you ask in the course, or maybe it's a, a point you bring up rather, is a question that should drive the direct report to stay connected to the purpose of the role. Tell me a bit about that. What does that question look like and, and how does it help someone stay connected? So think of the difference between if somebody writes in a job description, everything we do is customer centric. Like who's going to disagree with that, right? Like, of course, yeah, everything we do is customer centric, duh. But what if it instead it was a question that said, are we pushing our comfort zone to do something that's better for the customer today than we did yesterday. Ooh, okay. Now you've got my attention. Well, now I have to think, right? 
because I have to think, well, how are we doing it today? I don't know. Well, how might we do it better tomorrow? What would that even look like? I've, you've, you've engaged a different part of my brain and, and, and my heart and my level of engagement by asking me a question and saying, hey, here's a question that I want you to think about. I don't know the answer all the time. Maybe some of the time I have a theory, but I want someone, I need a role of somebody who's constantly asking that question and looking proactively for how might we do this differently? And by shifting it from an edict to a question, we shift from a mindset of, oh, I'm taking orders to a mindset of I'm on a treasure hunt. I'm, I'm trying to solve a mystery. And we get a whole different type of person when we do that. So that's why the question is so important. When we give people all the answers, they will follow more or less. Most people are fairly competent, fairly, you know, we're good at complying with directions from someone in power, especially if we want to keep our job, right? So you got to proactively go the other way. You got to say, look, I don't, I'm not going to give you all the things that I want you to do. I'm going to give you some general parameters and then I'm going to give you a question. And that's why that's so important. There's so much about this that's that really strikes me as um, a message to us of elevation, of getting yes. beyond the whatever task is going on this week. And as you've just said, with the purpose of the role and asking this question of really having conversations where you're helping people to really see the bigger picture and and engage in the curiosity of what's possible and then the tactical stuff they begin to surface on their own more so and they're driving that versus you as manager getting into the tactical on everything or at least starting there exactly and the and the thing that when we when we had when we sort of we were talking before and you were saying like hey that's the ideal like how do we do it the destination is we want to have all of our direct reports you know our best our best manager our best inner manager we want to have all of our direct reports feel like they are they are on a meaningful journey for themselves, right? We want them to feel like they're learning and they're growing. And of course, if you survey your team, the people who are learning and growing are the most engaged. They're the ones who feel who are going to stick around. The people who don't feel like they're learning and growing, they're going to disengage if they're not already. So that's what we want. And what the mistake that I see us making, and I think, and I hopefully will start to course correct here is that we think that that's somehow that that learning and development, that like self-improvement is somehow different than the work of the role. It's not. It's right in there. And it comes right after that question. Like we use that example of like, are we operating in a way that's more customer centric today than we did? Yes, tomorrow than we did today. Well, if I'm the person in that role, all of a sudden, I've, I'm going to have to encounter myself. Ooh, wait a second. I'm, I, I'm uncomfortable sharing new ideas unless I'm certain of all the answers. Boom, you've got a personal growth theme. Well, I have really good ideas, but I don't like sharing them in this group because I'm insecure and I might, got, I might get shot down. Boom, you've got a personal growth theme. Like if you set up a work challenge based on alignment and saying, hey, here's what I want you to focus on. Here's, what I, here's the balancing act that I need you to navigate. Here's the edge that I need you to push for our team. Right on the heels of that, you will discover, it will emerge a personal growth theme for that individual. It can't not. Because if you're trying to stretch the team towards its objectives, then the people on that team are going to have to stretch. And so it's in there that you make the connection and you don't split it. You don't say, here are the goals, work hard, make sure you hit your numbers. Now in your next one-on-one, well, let's have a conversation about growth and development. It's one conversation. And you do that by 
asking questions and asking questions that have iterative answers and create spaces for people to think critically and to do things that are extraordinary, they have to bring themselves to that. And that's how you do it. I'm thinking back to what you said earlier of the different ways that we show up and the the Hail Mary uh, occasionally of let's talk about things that are going on personally. And it seems as that our tendency is if and when the personal growth conversation happens, it's separate and adjunct to the what's the role, what am I doing today, what's going on in the business. And what I'm hearing you say is, no, those are actually one and the same. And the more we can integrate those the better. And it, it it's interesting. I may even think about my own career as a manager that oftentimes I missed that connection. And yet when you could put the two together, how much more powerful it was. And it I think it even comes from a place of, of fear sometimes as a manager of, I don't want to engage in some of the personal stuff because what if someone says something like, I want to do something different or be in a different industry or start my own business two or three years from now. Like that sounds right. really scary because I'm going to lose that person. And I don't, I don't want to go there and I don't want to bring up that topic like us bringing that up would <laughs> change a person's <laughs> life direction. Right. right? Um, right. But I, I've come around to a place now over the years where I'm like, no, I want to know that as a manager, because if I know that, let's say someone is planning to leave in a year or two to do something different or move on to a different role. That then helps me to connect with them and engage with them on the daily tasks in a way that's so much more meaningful and where we'll get engagement where I wouldn't if I was just ignoring that. Yeah, absolutely. And that, to your point, you're not going to change the outcome by ignoring it. But you can, you know, someone comes to me and says, hey, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking and I decided I want to start my own business someday. I'm going to say, great, I've started businesses. What do you think people who start businesses are good at? What skills do they have? Oh, uh, well, I think they're good at blank, 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 blank. Great. Which one do you want to work on here? Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's right in front of us, right? If you just have a conversation with people, they will go, well, yeah, you know, it would be awesome if I could really learn. I'm not strong on finances. You know, it would be great if I could be, be stronger on, you know, being able to read a balance sheet or, you know, look at a budget or figure out, you know, how do I do a variance report? Because that's the place where I think I'm we could great, you know, Hey, here's some opportunities. Maybe we can, maybe we can get your help on this project over here. Right. It's not a per, you don't, you can't always make it one-to-one, but if you ask the question, you break it down for people, you avoid these like really silly conversations where someone says, well, I want to be a VP of engineering one day. I was like, well, I can't help you with that. Right. But if you tell me what a VP of engineering is good at, I can help you with those things. I can coach and develop you towards that. And I can get you there much faster than you're going to get there by just jumping at, you know, jumping from job to job you know, hoping someday maybe you'll be good at it. The image that's coming up for me as you're saying that is almost thinking of like a zipper, zipping up a shirt or a coat that on on one side, you've got the teeth and on the other side, you've got the teeth and you're linking them together mm, with the beautiful. tool, the zipper tool. And that a bit of this conversation and maybe even the one-on-ones is on one side, we've got the purpose of the role We've got the daily tasks, those kinds of things. On the other side, we have the the personal, right? The personal growth areas. And what we're doing as a manager is helping to see people how they link together. And if we can 
link those together, that that's really good work for us to do because then they see how this is helpful to them. It helps them to stay engaged. It it moves all of us forward. It moves the organization forward too. Yeah. I love that visual. And and a lot of the the zipping, if I, you know, at the risk of overdoing the analogy, the, the zipping is framed around curiosity, right? Like we don't necessarily yes. know exactly how it works. Where does curiosity come in? Well, and that that's why the tool, right, is there to give some support, right? Because I don't want people to go into this conversation and and feel like you you have to flail around. There's there's some baseline level work that you can do to set up those conversations, some best practices, some questions you can ask to kind of set the tone. Because part of what you'll need to do with some people more than others, but you'll need you need to create a psychologically safe environment, right? Because if if you ask people like, hey, what's the purpose of your role? They're going to give you your answer. You don't want your answer. You want their answer, right? If you ask them, you know, what are the what are the best ways to do this and how are we going to measure it and all those kinds of things, you want that to be a collaborative conversation. So it's really important, like like all things, right, to set it up with the context and foundation that it's an, that it's an exploration. Hey, let's talk. I learned something new today. I was listening to Dave and my Coaching for Leaders podcast, and I learned something new, and I want to try it. We won't get it right at first, but let's, you know, let's go step by step. And that's the curiosity to say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if our one-on-ones weren't task check-in sessions, they didn't have no agenda, that there was some structure and that they were also human. Like we were just talking to one another. We're both so busy. We're both, we're all, we've all got so many meetings, so many tasks and technical stuff. Like what if that could be a, a mutually meaningful relationship and conversation that we had every week or every other week, you know, wouldn't that be cool? Right. Yeah. That would be awesome. I would love that. I've really been wanting to talk to you about such and such. And I never feel like there's the time. Awesome. You now you're in right now. Now you can start to have meaningful one-on-ones by naming and saying, Hey, like, I, I don't know if it's working for you, but it isn't working for me. Like, I think we can do so much better. And if you'll give yourself that permission to open that door, you know, so many good things will happen. And so many people want that. We keep hearing that in the data. And we had uh, an episode with Gallup recently of talking about how that desire of so many people to get that regular feedback and coaching and engagement is so huge as far as what most of us want in our careers. And so tactically, as assuming we've done some of this and we've had a conversation like that, as you transition to thinking about what a one-on-one looks like when you show up, how do you do this with your team, Jonathan? Like, you're sitting down with your team members regularly. What does it look like as far as what happens either before that conversation and then maybe a bit of the deering in order to really have a kind of conversation where all those elements come together? Sure. So so specifically with direct reports, the way that I like to do it is we, you know, we'll typically I usually set a meeting that's like about 40 minutes. We usually, you know, usually takes about a half an hour, but I like to give a little bit of breathing room. And in those conversations, you know, and this is a process, right? I, I set it up at first. I say, hey, look, here's here's my ideal, right? And my ideal is that this is really your space. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to bring topics. It's not, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to guide conversation when I think that that's relevant. But I really want it to be your time to come forward with the things that are front of mind for you and and not so much the tactical, you know, I, I, I don't want it to be a report out. Here's where I am with this. And I'll stop people. I'll say, even, you know, really seasoned people, they'll start to do like a report out. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. like, I, I assume you've got all that covered. Is there, do you have a question about something that I can, that I, that you want my input on? Let's do that. But, but, but I, I'm assuming that you've got that and, you know, I'll, I'll see it in whatever form makes sense. So, so I, I really 
do my best to embody trust with my team. And if they can't, you know, do that over time, okay, well then we'll have a different conversation. But my experience is, you know, giving people room. And then I ask them questions. Hey, so, and again, this comes back to the context. I'll say, hey, so we've been talking about this, you know, growth theme around, you know, being more collaborative, right? And being, you know, you've been, you know, let's say with somebody who's a little bit more, you know, my way or the highway. And I said, so we've been working like, how's that going? Right. Like, are there some situations this week where, where you feel like you made some progress? Are there some situations this week where you feel like you, you, you stepped in it? Like, that's okay too. Like, I want to hear about that. So, so I find myself in my one-on-ones, the the highest value thing that I'm able to add is to keep elevating the conversation and bringing us back to those growth themes. And so that we can, so that it stays front of mind because it's easy to, to lose that trajectory. Uh, so that's often what I will do. And then with that context, like I'm happy to talk tactics. I'm happy to talk about projects as long as we're not excluding or creating an, a false distinction between those growth themes and those projects. And I'm listening with my leadership ears when someone's talking about, you know, whatever tactical thing that they're working on, I'm thinking to myself, who I wonder how this is connected to the theme that they told me that they want to work on. Uh, and if it's not obvious to me, I'm going to ask them, hey, so we've been talking about blah, blah, blah for the last five minutes. Sounds good. Sounds like it's all on track. I'm wondering, like, is there a connection between that and this growth theme that we talked about? Maybe there isn't, but is there one? And they'll stop and they'll be like, huh, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Let me think about that. Great. Cool. Okay, let's move on. Right. So I'm constantly trying to elevate that conversation, get them thinking about how is their personal development, growth and learning connected to the tasks, tactics, and projects that they're operating in day to day. The intention here sounds very much in alignment with what I think a lot of managers show up with in one-on-ones when they say something to someone like, hey, you bring the agenda. This is your time. And I'm hearing you say that intention here that is very much aligned. The distinction that I hear in what you just described is rather than me kind of sitting back and just seeing what someone shows up with, I am actively engaged in the conversation. And what I'm looking for as a manager is what are the growth themes that we've already talked about in whatever time frame we're talking about it. And as I'm hearing them talk, I'm helping them to make the connections to those growth themes. And when they aren't there, I'm helping to find those connections in a way that is elevating the conversation, looking at the big picture, but you're very much involved and it's very collaborative versus kind of showing up and just seeing what someone asks. 100%. The word that uh, I often use is facilitate, right? So you're facilitating the conversation, you're guiding it, you're shaping it. You're not waiting for them to figure out all the answers, right? Because that would be unfair. Like if we did that to you, you wouldn't like it. If we said like, hey, you author the meeting, you know, you if you if your manager or leader sat back and just kind of let, you know, with that, with this kind of false idea that you're going to, you know, kind of run this meeting, it's, it's just not, it's not in reality, right? So, so yes, driving the, driving the content, driving the subjects, driving the agenda, absolutely. But it's very active and it's a way you demonstrate engagement. You know, one of the principles that we wrote about in Good Authority is if you want people to be more engaged, you got to be more engaged with them. So if they're driving that agenda and they're bringing things to talk about, you should be on the edge of your seat, listening. Oh, that's so interesting. Tell me more about that. Oh, I didn't know that. What's meaningful about that? Like, how are you feeling about that? Does that like, is that, you know, does that worry you? Or, you know, are you excited about that? How's that connected to this other thing? 
Are you struggling with prioritizing that? Because I know you have these three other things. Like you're so engaged. You're so, and then they go, whoa, this is amazing. I have a manager who actually cares about me, who actually is invested in my growth and is doing all the things that Gallup says managers should do, but rarely do. Guess what? I'm going to stick around and work for this person. And when this person leaves and goes somewhere else, I'm going to follow them on LinkedIn because someday I'm going to go work for them again. Yeah. And almost nobody does that. When I have conversations with people about their careers and we talk about who's a manager who really did what you just described and did it consistently, people have maybe one example over a 20 or 30 year career, or they don't have one at all. Yep. And it's really powerful, like how, how doing, even if you did a bit of this and you didn't quite get there all the way, but if you started with this, like how much different that is than what people are used to. And on a, on a tactical level, I'm also curious, what informs your thinking on how often a one-on-one should be? And, you know, I've come back and forth on this. I, I, I cycle sometimes with somebody, like if somebody, I do this also with my coaching clients, like if I'm working on a really important theme that feels like we'll, we will get traction on a weekly basis, I'll do like a shorter meeting every week. And then if it feels like we're into some more sort of deeper self-reflective territory where more space would be good, then I'll go every other week. I don't, I don't go less frequently than that. So with a lot of my direct reports over the years, I've done every other week you know, for an hour, that seems to be enough time. Sometimes that's too much time uh, if, you, if you have these conversations well. But I do like the cadence of, you know, with certain people, uh, depending upon the time, you know, every week for a half an hour. Now, uh, it begs the question, how many direct reports you have? So I have three. I don't let myself have 10 direct reports. It's too many. I can't do this work with 10 people at the same time and, act, and do anything like the rest of my job. It's impossible. So there's a sweet spot in there. You know, it, I usually think it's around six to seven. You know, eight is pushing it. And you'll know this, you know, if you have eight direct reports, it's a lot. A, you know, when you're trying to be responsible for the care of eight human beings, uh, it's difficult to do. And uh, so a lot of times it pushes an organizational question, like, how are we organizing our teams? The, this person has 27 direct reports. Do we think that's a good thing? Yeah. Uh, how else might we, uh, we organize ourselves? I, I hear, I mean, the, the context of so much of this conversation is elevation, but, but being willing to be flexible with yourself and with your team. I've also run into the thinking in the recent past where one-on-ones are good. I need to do one-on-ones with every single direct report every week for an hour. And <laughs> the intention behind that is really good. And yet I run into managers who are spending 40, 50, 60% of their time in one-on-ones and they're yeah, really struggling in other areas. And I think yeah. sometimes like we don't give ourselves permission to say, hey, it's actually okay to, if the context justifies it, to do an every other week check-in or maybe just make it a half hour instead of 45 minutes or an hour. If we're really focused on the big picture and the elevation like you and I have been talking about, that being willing to adjust that a bit can make a huge difference in people's schedules yeah. and your own time to find thinking and strategy and all that. And it's a forcing function, right? If you if you're doing an hour with everybody right now, what if you what if I only gave you a half an hour? What would you do then? What's the highest? It's like you know most meetings that are an hour they could be handled in twenty minutes if the meeting was handled effectively with a good agenda and someone really facilitating the meeting and you know good good meeting you know sort of culture. Uh, that hour meeting could be twenty minutes. Most hour long one on ones could be half an hour if you just focus on the most important thing and make an agreement. Hey, let's 
Let's see if we can have a more meaningful conversation in less time. Wouldn't that be cool? And then, you know, give that a shot. Make it a forcing function, you know, just as a as a place to start. If you're spending more than one day of your five-day week in one-on-ones, it's too much. Even that's a lot. But 20% of your bandwidth in one-on-ones is a lot. I, you know, if you're doing more than that, uh, let's talk about how you can uh, fix that. So many folks in our community have uh, done the good accountability course that you've produced and used the accountability dial, which goes hand in hand with one-on-ones, of course. And you have a new course now that really goes into a lot more depth on this. So for those who want to dive in, uh, would you say a bit about the good alignment course? Yeah, sure. So we we built a tool to set up. So everything that we've been talking about for the past 40 minutes, we built a tool called the good alignment tool. You can use it in uh, as a Google Doc or an Excel sheet where you can actually, you know, interview yourself, uh, interview your team member, ask them some questions. It has comes with question prompts to start to ask, you know, what's the purpose of this role? What's the question that we could both align on? How would we measure that? And then going into helping you isolate uh, what's the growth theme that emerges. So, and so it provides the context and the best practices for everything that we just talked about. Um, and you can get that at, uh, well, we'll put a link in the show notes as well, Dave, to do that so people can go direct uh, from, from your community. Perfect. Well, we'll have that in the episode notes. And of course, this week's weekly leadership guide, Jonathan Raymond is the author of Good Authority and the creator of the Good Accountability and Good Alignment courses. Jonathan, thank you so much as always for your wisdom. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Today. If you want to go further, several related episodes I'd recommend. One of them is episode 464, How to Balance Care and Accountability When Leading Remotely. That was the most recent episode that Jonathan was on previously. We talked in detail about the accountability dial, and we looked at it through the lens of leading remotely. But of course, the principles can be utilized almost everywhere. And of course, accountability goes hand in hand with one-on-ones and professional development and so many of the core management skills we talk about on the show, episode 464 for that. I'd also recommend an episode that will complement this conversation well, uh, one that we aired earlier this year, episode 517, How to Define a Role with Pat Griffin from Dale Carnegie. Pat and I talked in that episode about how to actually define a role for the first time. Uh, Maybe the role has existed for a while and it's never really been put on paper anywhere what this role actually does, uh, or perhaps you're defining a role for the first time or it's a new role. Either way, the framework in episode 517 will help you step-by-step to figure out what the role looks like. And then to today's conversation, how do you continue the conversation through one-on-ones on ensuring that the professional results are there, but also the personal growth is happening. Episode 517 for that. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 532, recently the work of Jim Harder from Gallup, How to Help People Thrive. In that episode, Jim and I talked about the recent research coming out of Gallup and all of the updated numbers on helping employees to do well and to thrive and the importance. And we keep seeing this again and again over the years. Really, it's been decades now in the research of the critical nature and the importance of a person's direct manager, both for good, but also for bad. If the direct manager is doing some of these core practices well, one-on-ones, career conversations, defining roles, being more coach-like, boy, we see some incredible things happen for people. And of course, the 
opposite is also true. If the core manager, the direct manager isn't doing some of these core things well, it almost becomes insignificant what else is happening in the organization or what the work is that's being done. Because if that support isn't there from the manager, so many other things don't work well. That comes out loud and clear in Gallup's research and in so many other places over the years. Episode 532 for the details on that. All of these episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. And one of the most important areas, I think, that is uh, database in the website are episodes on what I would call core management skills. And we do have a uh, section just for management skills, something that almost every leader needs in order to be effective at supporting people and supporting results inside the organization. It's one of the many subject areas inside our database. If you'll set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com, you'll be able to search the entire library since 2011 by topic, one of the management skills, but so many other places for you to begin there to dive in and discover a lot more that'll help you take practical steps on what's next. Plus, you'll also get access to all the free audio courses, my weekly leadership guide that comes each week in your inbox with all of the links and resources from every episode, plus access to my entire library, also databased by topic. There's just a ton there inside the free membership. If you haven't yet jumped in on that, coachingforleaders.com is where to go for all the details. Set up your free membership and you'll be off and running in just a few seconds with full access everywhere. Thank you as always for your support of the show. And I'll be back next Monday for our next conversation on leadership. Take care, everybody.